Welcome back to the Oklahoma Drill. We're about 10 days out from the draft. We had three agencies basically concluded at this point. Um, and I've got Alex and Sam here with me to talk about all of that and then maybe some summer league takes. So uh, I think we're a little cooler as a podcast than we were on draft night as a whole. So um, why don't we start with Sam? What were your initial thoughts about the draft since you weren't on that? Um, it was fine. It was um, definitely seemed like the Thunder had a vision for it, which is good to see. They weren't just all over the place. Um, you know, I'm, I didn't get the chance to listen to your guys' recap, um, other than, you know, our, our text in the group chat. I assume Alex was not very happy with the lack of athleticism, um, but at least, you know, it was, it was something across the board. So it was very clear that that was what Sam Presti wanted to do. He didn't, you know, misevaluate you know, some fake athletes or something. Um, I like Giddy. He's like, we talked about before, very fluid. I think he's a good basketball player and probably isn't there um, for like a competitive team right away. That's good for this team. So we probably don't want to be competitive as long as, you know, egos can handle that. Um, looking back, you know, there were some, maybe some higher upside guys we could have taken instead of Trey man at that spot. Um, but for what the, you know, Thunder were their identity they were going for in this draft. That was probably the highest upside pick at that spot for, you know, there's guys like Keon Johnson or Jalen Johnson, you know, guys that are just, you know, massive swings on athleticism. But if you factor in that those guys probably weren't even on the board, um, Trey Mann is probably the highest upside of anyone that could have been on the board at that point. Um, so, I mean, that, it's all fine. You know, you'd like to see maybe a swing on Shangun at 16 instead of sending him off. Um, I like Jeremiah Robinson Neural. I think he could be a guy. Um, he's one of those guys that we all say, um, you know, if he has, if he can shoot it, he's a guy. Um, but we, I think we all really reserve that phrase for guys who actually like could potentially shoot it. And I think he is one of those. Um, so, I mean, he, he showed some, Flashes uh, in, in our first summer league game showed some good vision. The shooting stroke looks good. It's just a matter of whether or not he hits it. Um, Aaron Wiggins, I think, is a good swing to take in the second round. He showed some flashes also. Looks like he could be a really good secondary creator. Um, another guy that if he shoots it, he's easily you know, a seventh or eighth guy in a rotation. Provides some great stuff. Um, so, yeah, I've, overall – it was fine. Underwhelming, maybe. I don't think it was a complete bust. A nice, solid B- minus with uh, some potential upside and guys like Giddy. So do you have, do you have an opinion on, on what you think Giddy's upside? Like, if you're thinking just ideal, ideal scenario, what, what does Giddy look like to you for the th- uh, I think, um, you know, guys, secondary creator, obviously like Shea be on ball most of the time. I think he's the guy that can push Shea off ball. Um, you know, if he happens to get the board, just take it and transition and go. I think he could uh, be the point man in pick and roll. I think he can also, you know, he's big enough. I think he can be the role man if he proves to be a good finisher and he seems to have really good vision so he could, you know, kick to the corners. Um, so yeah, hopefully he gets, you know, the shot up above, what do you think, like 36%? And I think he's a could be a third third best guy on a championship team, maybe. 
Um, I mean, I think that's probably his upside. If he can really shoot it that well, um, I think that's probably his upside. I'm, his secondary creation, I'm not worried about at all. I think that's going to be there. And then, yeah, it's just whether or not how, how, how high he can get the jump shot, who I think his ceiling is. Yeah, I think, you know, wa- watching him in the summer league yesterday, and like, granted, it was two minutes. Like, it, this is, <laughs> I'm not making a judgment based on this, but it, you know, it just kind of solidified my ideas of, of what he's going to have to do in order to reach an upside, you know, be an upside type player. Because, you know, I think it's, it's fairly likely that he's going to be a good role player on a team. You know, like you said, he has the secondary creation. He's a really good passer. But to me, the problem with his shot isn't just that he's going to have to make it more. He's also going to have to change the mechanics in order to be able to get it off quicker because, you know, just in the short time yesterday, we saw him try to ISO against the big and it took, you know, three seconds to get the shot off and it got blocked. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So that to me, in order for him to really become a dynamic on ball player, he's going to have to change his jumper almost entirely in terms of being able to get it off faster. Um, And you never know how that goes when in regards to it actually going in, you know, you know, if he's just going to be an off the ball shooter, sure. I think he could probably do that at some point at a fairly high level, but in order to be the pick that I think, I think the thunder made this pick thinking he was the highest upside swing at that spot. I Mm -hmm. honestly do. Um, I think that the way Sam Presti evaluates players, I think he values skill sets over athletic tools at this point. And I think he viewed that as someone that had the highest upside at that spot. Um, It's just going to be a really interesting journey to that upside. That's going to involve a lot of change. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think that was a good uh, representation of what he's going to get in the NBA going up in that first game. Like you probably don't get a lot of guys with Sekou Dumbuya's length in the NBL. Um, so that was, you know, good, not good to see that shot get blocked and not good to see him struggle with guys of length, but, you know, good to see that, you know, he, there are very clear things he has to work on and it should be pretty easy to identify what those are. And, you know, hopefully he's enough of a grinder to figure it out and, Luckily, he'll, uh, you know, get to do it at a reasonable pace. Won't have to, you know, throw him in there and expect him to perform next to Russell Westbrook immediately or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's – I think this is, these are all pretty good measured takes. Um, I do think, like, he showed in the very brief period we got to watch him that at the very least he's, like, functionally athletic. Um, not in inter- – like, he's not a freak athlete. Um, but I think – He's probably going to be okay on defense. Um, he had two really good closeouts um, on the same possession. Um, that that gave me hope. Um, I think he had another one. I want to say it was Sadiq Bay had him in the post, and this was post or after rolling his ankles. I mean, he was. You could see he was limping around a lot, and I mean, Giddy fought hard in the post. A dude that was you know more experienced and bigger than him stayed with him, like didn't get plowed over like played solid defense i'm with you ryan i think uh, there's definitely potential at least be a solid defender and that's all you need out of him yeah um i mean on the on the position i was thinking of like he closed out on a kid cunningham shot and then the rebound came out and it relocated made the close out um the whoever he was closing out on put the ball on the floor and he recovered really well got in front of it 
uh, and I think ultimately caused a turnover because of it. It was, a, I think it was a good defensive possession, um, I, especially as he fills out, um, which I think is going to be interesting. Uh, he's pretty big um, size-wise. Like, I think he's legitimately 6'9", um, and which makes me think, like, this is, guy, this is a guy, especially, like, we've talked about him as a secondary playmaker. I really think, like, he's going to be a forward, like, in, in as much as that means in the NBA. But I like, you know, I feel like this is he's not really going to be a guard. He's going to be a forward. Yeah, I definitely don't think he's ever going to be quick enough to guard anything smaller than a three. Um, but I think he he showed the want to to be to hang with fours in the post. And he obviously you shouldn't be worried about too many fours. that are going to blow by him. Um, but yeah, I think he's I think he can play three or the four on defense, ideally. Um, and I think he showed at least, you know, guys of this summer league quality, he showed the ability to do that. Yeah. So just to update kind of, cause you know, last, last podcast, I was fairly emotionally driven in terms of my analysis, we'll, we'll say. Um, but, you know, and I have had time to, to watch more Josh Giddy. Um, I didn't watch it. T- I mean, I watched some, you know, before the draft, but he was just a guy that I decided pretty early that I didn't want the Thunder to draft. So I kind of didn't watch as much as I especially have since. And, you know, I, I think that him as a player, like there is legitimately great upside there. I still don't like his fit on the Thunder to be, you know, specifically because like I said last time, I want a balance of really good skill and athletic guys. And I don't love him and Shea together defensively. And for just from a pure athleticism standpoint, I really don't love him, Shea and Poku together, just because I think you're just kind of building yourself as this very skilled, but unathletic team. That's probably going to struggle defensively, especially when it comes to guarding, you know, in playoff basketball, um, but like I said earlier, like offensively, like if he shoots it, you know, if he changes his shot and gets it to where he can get it off quicker, he's going to have to get better handle. That was one thing that you kind of notice, you know, just watching him like fairly rudimentary handles and not like this. It's I wouldn't call it a, a strength at this point, I guess, is what I would say. And for a guy that's not overly explosive and. Um, even if he is six foot nine, he is going to have to have a really good handle to be able to drive around guys and, and operate at a high level in the pick and roll. But um, I'm definitely higher on him than I was draft night. So it's almost impossible not for me not to be. Um, but I still do worry about the fit fit in Oklahoma City. I do wonder if, you know, we're just we're building this this slow team. Yeah, I think it's just something we'll have to probably trust Presty on, you know, obviously he, he makes a lot more money than any of us do uh, for a good reason. And it's probably something like a guy like Giddy's skill set. You're not going to find that next year. What are the chances you find an elite athlete wherever you're drafting next year? Probably a bit higher than you find an elite skill guy. Um, and, you know, there are so many guys in the league, elite athletes go to a bad situation. And those are the ones like, you cannot make an elite athlete work in a bad situation. And so, you know, maybe Scotty Barnes goes to uh, Toronto and they trade Siakam and, you know, the team is just horrible. It's a horrible fit for him. And, you know, his value is insanely low in a year or two. And Presti swoops in for a guy like that. Or maybe, you know, it's a 
down the road, you can take a swing on the Keon Johnson guys, those just elite athletes that don't do much else. Maybe you can take a swing on one of those guys at 12, you know, in the 2022 draft or something like that. Um, so we'll see. I mean, it's it's definitely going to be a project for sure. Yeah, I agree. Um, with regards to the other guys, Trey Mann, JRE, Aaron Wiggins, um, we like we got to see way more of them in summer league in their first game. So how do we feel about them? I'll say, oh, oh, sorry. I'll say this about Trey Mann. Um, clearly willing to try things, <laughs> especially at the rim. Not all of those things uh, worked, um, but you know he got a he had a great highlight scoop layup that was cool, but right. not particularly good at the rim, or really just scoring in general yesterday. But I think like there's some stuff there we can talk about. Alex, how did you feel about Trey Mann? Thing that you said with Trey Mann is exactly where I was going to go. Like the dude just he tried shit yesterday, you know, and very little of it came off you know, in terms of finishing with a bucket, you know, he was like a, he's like a soccer player, like a winger that is like crazy technical with no end product. That's kind of what it, it reminded me of. And like, yeah, he made this ridiculous move and then he got into the lane and the finish just wasn't there. Um, which, you know, that's fine. You know, like if his, his handle looked impressive to me, he was able to create and get around guys, even though he's a fairly limited athlete, that's, that's kind of where I think Giddy needs to go. Like he's going to have to develop handle like Trey Mann has. Um, you know, the finishing is it's concerning in a, in a sense because he, you know, on draft night, we talked about, he's not a very long guy. Like he doesn't have a, a plus wingspan to really speak of. Um, and the, so that could be just a long-term problem for him or, you know, maybe his floater gets really good. He hit a couple floaters yesterday. Um, and maybe that's something that could turn into to a reliable shot for him. And that could be, you know, the skill set to me is there offensively for Trey Mann to actually be something, you know. And I, I think we saw that yesterday, even though the shots weren't falling. Yeah, I think he definitely showed that he's a shot creator. Um, he created some great shots and he's just gonna have to be a shot maker. And that's what every guy's gonna be is, you know, first game in summer league. The line's further back, you know, he's not as adjusted for it, probably has some nerves. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm with you guys. Liked what he showed. Um, wish we had more than one game to go off of by now, but, you know, we'll get there. We'll get a couple more under us, I'm sure. The way the uh, Thunder roster is constructed, we'll probably get to see him plenty this year. So, Yeah, I think the thing with Trey Mann is, like, the end product wasn't there. But if you look at things in summer league, like, like Alex said, his handle was really impressive. Like, he was able to create shots for himself on the perimeter and at the rim and you look at his shooting form and there's not really like, I'm not afraid of the way he shoots the ball. Um, it just needs to go in. And, you know, there are a lot of guys who it doesn't, and that's a problem, but uh, I think it's, it's definitely too early to say that he's not really what, like what we thought he was going to be coming in, which is a guy who can create some shot. Um, yeah. I think, I think that's the deal with Trey man. How about Jeremiah I, Robinson Earl? Uh, looked looked exactly like we probably thought he would too, huh? Had had a couple nice spot ups, played solid defense, had really good vision. Um, I think early on he had some decent drives. The finishing wasn't exactly there. I think he might have had one or two decent finishes after we had kind of talked about that. But you know he's not going to be a driver kind of guy. He's going to be a spot up 
maybe cut occasionally, but certainly not going to take anyone off the bounce. So um, it's nice to see him try it out. Um, hopefully we'll get to see him. Maybe it'll be a skill he can develop. I wouldn't bank on it, but I think we should, saw some some decent promise for what he uh, will be going forward. Yeah, I um, I really like that he was uh, effectively playing center a lot of the time. Uh, because if that's a thing he can do, then that's so much better than him on the wing. Yeah, I mean, I that was my biggest concern was that he would just be like a guy that could only play the four in the NBA. Um, and not that playing the five in summer league means he's going to be a great five in the league. but No, but it shows that they're willing to try it. Right, right, exactly. And, you know, I think backup five is like a legitimate role that he could fill. Um, I was – I really liked the shot yesterday. Um, the fact that he took it whenever he was open and, you know, I, so much of when you're talking about projecting guys as shooters, I think you have to evaluate the misses probably even more than the makes because yesterday when I saw him miss his shots, they were usually like short, but they were like online. And that is the sign of someone that has potential shooting wise, you know, they, the guys that you need to worry about are when you have no idea what side the ball is going to go. You know, they might miss it a foot to the right, might miss it a foot to the left. But the guys that it's just a long or short type thing, those guys generally get it figured out. And I'm fairly confident that Jeremiah Robinson Earl is going to figure out how to shoot. Um, again, it's the same stuff from from draft night. Like, I, I wish he were longer. You know, if he had like a 7-2 wingspan or something, then – He'd be a really interesting center prospect, you know, but as it is, he's probably just like a moderately interesting backup center prospect, you know? Yeah. And that's fine. I mean, you drafted him at 32, you know, you didn't take the swing on him at 18. If he has the, you know, massive wingspan, then maybe you do take the swing on him there, but you know, you got him early second round. So that's, that's perfectly fine for a backup center that could actually, you know, play backup center in the playoffs as opposed to taking a, Luca Garza type guy who I think looks like he could be a fine regular season backup center, get you 18 minutes a night and score a little bit in the regular season. But you know, that guy's not going to give you a single minute in the playoffs. Yeah. And just not going to be playable. Yeah. If he is, then, and then you're swept in the first round. So, you know, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, he looks like, like you said, solid backup, um, but one that could actually be a real solid backup and not just one that's relieving minutes for fatigue reasons yeah slight tangent um i want because i want to talk about what alex was talking about in terms of evaluating shots in the summer league um one example of this that i think is kind of pertinent here uh watching the hornets against the kings uh james book night had a rough night from the floor which again is understandable and uh especially given that he was guarded like 90 percent of the time by davion mitchell um who was just in his grill the whole time um, but that's like, there were some concerning things about the shot, um, from the outside for me. Um, he took a, a fairly normal in rhythm step back three and missed everything. Just, it was horrible. And then he made a shot from the corner, but it was like off platform. Like, and that's the sort of thing where I'm worried that people will see him make that shot and think that he's a good shooter and he might end up being, but like, I'm concerned that his bad shots look better than his good ones right now. Well, that's what he seems to be used to taking, you know, like that's yeah. what he, that's what he took at UConn. So um, I still, I still really like book night. I, 
that that Hornets team is oh they're terrible. It's really bad, but I'm just talking like their normal team. Like, right? They're they're building something interesting, mm-hmm. you know. Like, it might not turn out to be like super great in a few years, but it, they're going to be at the very least really interesting to watch. But um, so, yeah. Any other observations we've seen? I think Jalen Green looked really freaking good. He's definitely probably. Yeah. I think Jalen Green is like their high is, guys. Yeah, that's currently my like way too early pick for rookie of the year because he's just right. going to put up numbers um, in Houston. Some of the shit he does off the dribble with his just first step, it's just yeah. like, yeah, yeah. that's going to translate this year to the NBA. You know, he might not finish super great um, and he might not be super efficient this year, but I think eventually that that dude's going to average, you know, 25 points a game, you know? Yeah, he, he looks like a guy where the mid-range – like, you know, he takes a lot of mid-range, and, but he's going to be the kind of guy that he can make that work. Like, that's an efficient shot for him. The nerds yeah, right. will be fine with Jalen Green. Like, he, yeah. you don't want – Aaron Wiggins took a couple of mid-range shots, and he, he drilled them. It's like, okay, we don't want Aaron Wiggins taking those. But, like, Jalen <laughs> right. Green, the, the, the mid-range, the step-backs, they were all so smooth. He already has the guy beat off the first step anyway. So, yeah, he looks really solid in there first. That's, like, one of the big – major strengths that everyone says about Aaron Wiggins is that he likes to take mid-range shots and he's like pretty good at them. But yeah, you're right. Like Aaron Wiggins, you said upside is like a seventh or eighth man. You don't uh-huh. want your seventh or eighth man taking j- mid-range jump shots. That would be no, stupid. No, not ideal. Yeah. Um, other evaluations in summer league. I think Cade's um, going to be fine. I know a lot of people were sort of underwhelmed with his full game performance but like his first quarter stuff you immediately saw the potential there for him as a shooter i think that um my prediction this year is that detroit fans are going to turn on killian hayes really hard for taking the ball out of kate's hand. yeah right. that's that that's possible um and killian hayes is kind of leaving some shots a little bit off yesterday also um i wouldn't mind you know if they, if they do get tired of killian hayes send him our way troy <laughs> Compare him with his fellow Frenchman Teo Maladon. How, what did exactly. we think of Teo? What did we think of Teo yesterday? Oh, he's jacked. Um, he is. He's getting big. I think he looked like you would expect a guy who played a year in the NBA to look in the summer league. He was just competent. Yeah. Like he ran the offense just fine. After Giddy went out, he he scored relatively efficiently. Got a double double. Right. Yeah. He's just to me. He's like the per. Like he. You know, I think we've talked about this before, but if you're going to have a guy like Giddy and Giddy hits, if Giddy really hits, Teo Maladon is like the ideal kind of point guard to play next to him, you know, when Shea's off the court, because Teo's not really a primary initiator at all. Um, He can do it a little bit. Um, And if you put a guy like that next to Giddy, it makes a lot of sense. And you're still, you've got some size there. But yeah, that, I was really impressed with what, Tell you how he looked physically for sure. Um, he's still going to have to shoot better. He didn't shoot well from three yesterday, but you know, again, it was one game in the freaking summer league, so I'm yeah. not concerned there. But I'm not, and I'm not like you look at his mechanics and you're like, okay, that's there's yeah. nothing broken here. And I still love his cross court skip passes. Are like some of my favorite plays to watch. Like oh, he great. had one yesterday that was just like, holy shit! Not many guys are making that pass. You know, and even Killian Hayes had one of those. And I was like, damn, you know, yeah. so yeah, let's, 
let's get Killian over here. He looked good defensively at times. So yeah, that now that whole Pistons team, like it's worth saying, the Pistons brought a good team to summer league. Well, like they brought legitimately their, their like team. most of their starters. Yeah, like they. I mean, they brought in all like Sadiq Bay. There's no reason for Sadiq Bay to be playing yeah, in the right. summer league. And Sekou Dumboya, Sadiq Bay, Killian, like legitimately, like this is their starting lineup. Yeah, like, there's probably no. not even a reason for Cade to be playing in the summer league. Right. Yeah, but except rookies always play. Right. But, exactly. Right. Yeah, it's like you could legitimately see them starting for those for those guys. I mean, yeah. they're not going to start Luca Garza at center, but. Mm-hmm. You know, they've got they paid Kelly Olenek too much money for that. But no. um yeah, definitely they they brought their team there. And you know, hey, and the Thunder beat them without Josh Giddy. So that's true. Yeah. Championships incoming. Like I guess the other thing with regards to that is it really demonstrates the degree to which the Thunders like the inverse of that is last year. The Thunders regular season roster, very much a summer league roster. Yeah. Right? Like oh, guys sure. like Jalen Horde, uh Josh Hall. Like these are guys who like you played in the NBA last year. This shouldn't be yeah this is summer league, you know. Jalen Horde is bad. Yeah, like, Charlie that, Brown. Yeah, I'm least, just, yeah. Go ahead. I'm just tired of like I don't need to see these guys. I don't need to see Jalen Horde, Charlie Brown. Like we've seen and we've seen them in NBA games. Like we know what they are. Don't don't give them 20 minutes. I know it's just summer league, but we got guys we can evaluate. There's no need for this. Yeah. Is there anybody else on the roster? on that summer league roster where we're like, Oh, and I'm interested to see him play. Like anybody have like Oscar De La Silva thoughts. Anybody have like, I mean, the Silva, the Silva intrigues me. He was really good at Stanford and he never really shot it from deep, but he improved his free throw shooting every year. Um, and he was like an almost an 80% free throw shooter by the end of his senior year at Stanford. Um, he's decently athletic. He has really good length. I think he has over a seven foot wingspan, um, I don't know. He's kind of intriguing. I mean, there's probably a reason he stayed in school for so long. Um, so he's probably not going to be a guy just because he'll probably never be able to shoot from deep. Uh, but I mean, he's, he's intriguing to me at least. Yeah. I'm, I thought he looked fine. I, I'm not super intrigued by him. I'm not really intrigued by anybody else, but you know, it, if, if get, hopefully Giddy can play more and it was just a super minor injury, I Otherwise, mean, he's gotta play through it until they pulled him off. Like right, right. So hopefully he's in there in the next game. Otherwise, it's I'm basically just wanting to see Trey Mann actually hit um, on what he you know already a, a pretty good first game. You know, so um, that's that's really all I have on the summer league. I haven't watched the Cavs and Rockets game yesterday. I got to see Evan Mobley, um, who I I just really like Evan Mobley. I think I might have been a little too low on him in the draft process, but grading him a little bit. Um, I know, I know Ryan wanted to talk about Alperin Shangun. You have some, some Shangun thoughts. Um, I do hold on okay. one second. Okay. Real quick. I, um, I'm kind of intrigued by this Rob Edwards guy. Apparently he shot 44% from three in the bubble. Um, so I mean, that's not bad. Shot 30, 37%. At Arizona State and Cleveland State when he was in college, six foot five, good size. Like, I don't know. He's not, I mean, there's that that's the kind of guy I want to see on the summer league roster, at least. Like, see see what he can do, just rep repetitions. And like we've we've seen Charlie Brown get all those repetitions. We don't need to see that anymore. Give guys that have like in small sample sizes shown that they can be shooters, like just see if they can keep doing it. 
And eventually, yeah. like, you're going to find your Duncan Robinson, maybe. Like, just look for shooters. You might find your Lou Dort. You might yeah. find your Lou Dort. Um, okay. So, Shingun. Okay. And some of these ta- these takes are pre-Summer League takes that are now informed by Summer League. Um, I'm really invested in Shingun being a bust now. <laughs> like, Welcome to the resistance. Um, the that. thing about this is, and Alex... I think you brought this up a little bit in the Twitter thread. Like, I don't think there's ever been a player like Presti, like Nega drafted him. Like whatever the opposite of drafting a player is, is what he did to Shangun. Because here's a guy who plays a position of need, who theoretically fits the, uh, who's like the standard scattering report on him, fits the mold of what the Thunder are theoretically trying to do. Um, who has a lot, who is young, again, a thing the Thunder like in a prospect, was playing in a professional league from an early age, a thing the Thunder like in a prospect. Um, and yeah, like, it's like he, again, he plays position to need. He's a guy who plays with skill, who can move the ball, pass, and theoretically shoot, even though he took a three in their game yesterday and it was not close. Um, and the Thunder didn't draft him. The Thunder could have drafted. The Thunder traded that pick to like a conference rival whose picks they own. So like yeah, I don't a team know. they are invested in losing. You're right. The the Thunder have a vested interest in the Rockets staying bad. So and like I understand people like first off, people fundamentally don't understand what the picks that the Thunder got back for them will be. They'll be mid first round late lottery picks they will like they're not going to convey into seconds they're going to be firsts at some point in the future so the idea that they're highly protected is dumb because they're not um they're just protected in a complicated way um so that's part of it i think people look at um the thunder doing this and say like oh they got like nothing for it like no they're going to get two first round picks that are going to convey around where this pick was um but now that Shangun went and put up 15-15 and such and such in the summer league, a lot of people are like, oh, wow, Sam Presti really fucked up. And I don't know if you can like make that evaluation immediately. Um, I think you look at Shangun's first game, and it's like it's clear that he's played a lot of professional basketball. Like he just knows he knows how to get involved on the court on most possessions. And part of that is systemic. Like he was setting a lot of screens. He's a, he's pretty built. He, he's bigger around than I expected him to be coming in. So he's a he's a solid screen setter. He knows how to position so, himself on the floor. He knows how to fight for rebounds. He knows how to box out. Um, he didn't wow me with his rim protection. That's for sure. And the Cavs were not a team particularly built to like take him to the perimeter and make him pay. Um, given that their lead ball handler was Isaac Okoro. Um, My guy. <laughs> Okoro was great. I, I like Okoro a lot. And he and Evan Mobley are going to be a fun defense pairing. Um, but yeah, like he got 15 points. He went to the line like seven times at least um, and yeah. shot pretty mediocrely from the line. At one point he was like five of nine. Right. Um, so yeah, I think it's a little too early to say that he's um, – gonna be a tremendous success and i also think like 
there's a lot of circumstantial evidence that thinks that Sam Presti had a very low opinion about Bruce. So I guess I guess with Shangoon is that like I, I you know I think I I was a reasonably high on him as a as a prospect, um, but it also would be a little hypocritical for me to be super high on Shangoon with as much as I talk about playoff basketball um, because you know summer league is you're not you're not getting isolated by James Harden or Kyrie Irving or something in freaking summer league. Like there's nobody in the league like that. So it's like a perfect scenario for him to go and play basketball and not get exposed. Um, and I, and I think that that's what Shangun is going to be. I do think he's going to be a good regular season player, uh, which does make it interesting that, you know, Presti decided he would like the Rockets to have him, I guess, but cause that could affect their picks. But um you know, I think at the end of the day, if the Thunder had taken him, it would just be another guy that I would have to complain about not being athletic, that I would have to be worried about being able to defend and being a playoff player. So, like, I'm not upset that the Thunder traded him. You know, they got good value um, for that pick. Like you said, they might wind up getting two future number 16 picks, you know, for one 16 pick in this year's draft. So, um you know, I think I think it was a, a total value play for Presti, and clearly, he didn't view Shane Goon in the way that John Hollinger views him, um, and that's fine. You know, John Hollinger is is super smart. You know, he was a, a really big influence in the way that the Grizzlies built their team, um, but that was a Grizzlies team that always got to the playoffs and had problems. They were not built to play playoff basketball um at the highest level and so it doesn't really bother me that john hollinger is, is huge on him kevin pelton you know the only i think he had dakari johnson in like his top five one year with that statistical breakdown you know what i mean so it doesn't bother me you know like i think shangu could average 20 and 10 in the regular season in a couple of years and it still won't bother me because i do feel comfortable that he's always going to be a liability in the playoffs yeah i think if you let luca garza play 30 minutes a night he could average 20 and 10 also so what's that going to get you and i mean the other thing is like people are people came away from him putting up 15 and 15 in his first summer league game and being like oh he's going to be an all-star like first off he's not going to get 15 boards if he's playing with christian wood and john wall and usman garuba like that's just not going to happen um right and here what i'll say is that like even if he is an all-star, there's all-stars every year that make it, and then there are liabilities in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. DeMar well, Rosen exists. Well, the guy he was getting compared to is a great example of that, Nick, v- Nick Vucevic. Yeah. Like, I don't I don't want Nick Vucevic on my team. I don't care that he can – he's a 20-10 and 10 machine. I don't care. Don't put that guy on my team. Um, you know, again, especially because the Thunder, the way they're built – they are not built in any way to overcome the deficiencies that Shangun is going to have. If anything, the Thunder need a center that's going to cover up their other players' deficiencies, and that is super, super not Alperin Shangun. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and obviously, it was going against the best big in this year's draft, but he was getting bodied by Evan Mobley, and that's a quality, a quality big, but. Most of the guys he's going to be going into are quality bigs. Like, I don't see a world where he's not constantly getting bodied. 
Yeah, I'm looking at his box score. Seven of his boards, seven of his 15 boards were offensive rebounds. Um, he's not going to get that many against real quality competition. And the defense, like I saw him just fail to box out so many times. And that is like the white Western Oklahoma guy in me, just like, just box it out. Like that is such an easy thing to do. And I watched him give up so many offensive rebounds, just not putting a body on his guy. Like he's just going to try hard for boards on the offensive end. And yeah, he'll still be great at that. I'm sure he has a good nose for the ball, but they're just going to come, you know, farther and fewer in between whenever he's going into real competition. And then, yeah, the defensive stuff, the rebounding on that end, that's just going to make you a liability. Alperin Shangun sucks. You heard it here first. That's what we're going. That's our official stance at the Oklahoma drill is that Alperin Shangun sucks. Um, what, what you want to talk about, let's talk about the a couple other moves the Thunder have made um, since we're kind of, we've been Thunder-centric so far. Yeah. Um, Kimba. Kimba. We bought out Kimba. Yeah. Uh, which, Saved like $20 million across his two years. Yeah, which that's that's about as much as I've ever seen anyone give up. You know, Grant, you know, he went to yeah. the, the Yeah, he got most yeah, he back. got a significant chunk of it back by signing right. the whatever he signed with New York. Yeah. But you know, I think that that's that turned out to be a win-win deal. I know that there were reports that oh, the Thunder are very confident that they're they're going to be able to get something for Kim for Kimba Walker before the season starts. Yeah, the Thunder were also going to draft James Booknight. So who the fuck? What the fuck does anyone know? You know what right. I mean? So I think the reality is like there wasn't a deal that the th- the Thunder could make that was palatable. Maybe they could have made one and taken another distressed asset back, and maybe the Thunder just decided they were done. They were done doing this little thing where they, you know, just get an asset but they also get stuck with another really bad contract and yeah. they decided look Kemba's willing to give us 20 million dollars back because he really wants to go for the Knicks and that's that's great that's great for the Thunder that's that comes off your cap like that's one thing I don't know if a lot of people realize is that when a guy gives you money back in a buyout that comes off your cap sheet like it's it's not just that you have to pay him less it, it comes off of your cap sheet as well so yeah. Um, Not that it hugely matters because I think the Thunder are still right. on the floor. Oh, yeah. No, but it it's a thing. You know, it's like they essentially he gave up enough money for them to be able to have taken in Derek Favors and it be break, it break even, essentially, yeah. is yeah. how that kind of went. So, yeah. And at the end of the day, you know, there is a human element to this shit. And especially for small market teams like OKC, like that has been proven over and over again. Like, that is one slight advantage that we have on some teams in the league. And it's something that you just have to continue to do. You cannot ever let up on that because as soon as you lose that reputation for being an organization that always gives players what they want, like you're pretty much screwed. And so, you know, the, you don't have to always get a sign and trade for Frank Nilakina and a second round pick. Like you don't have to milk every little bit of value you can. There is value in just like, letting dudes be happy. And if that value comes from spending clay fucking Bennett's money, like who cares? Yeah. Um, Alex alluded to this. Um, I guess the other thing to say is like, ultimately uh, we were going to reach a point where we just had to buy one of these guys out. Like, and it might as well have been Kimba. Cause I don't know what the market is for Kimba. I think if any of, if we were GMs, we probably wouldn't be looking to trade for Kimba. Like, 
Um, and yeah, so like just buy him out because he plays a position that's, you know, we w- we have other guys we want to play guard. Right. What is it, Alex? And I, I think that there is a a scenario where they could have gotten something for Kemba, but it wouldn't have been this offseason. They would have had to come in and let him play and do the Al Horford, do the Chris Paul type thing. But that damages their season because the Thunder want to suck this year. Right. You know, and like if if Kemba Walker is playing at a level that rehabs his value, that's the borderline all star NBA player that you don't want on your team if you're trying to lose. You right. know, and the other thing is that the knock for Kemba is injury is right. his inability is the idea that he's fragile and a team in the situation the Thunder are in. Like if you're rehabbing guys and if you're being cautious and you're trying to sit players, you or you're trying to lose games, you sit players for everything. You don't make anybody play through anything. Right. So like how, you know, when Kemba inevitably picks up a ding in the season, like the Thunder should want to sit him. But doing that would just prove everybody right about the fact that he's too fragile to be worth it. Yeah. And it also kind of reiterates like there is some kind of. There, there is an image that you can gain if you're the team that's always shutting down vets, you know, because that's what they did with Al Horford. You know, if you do that two years in a row, that could be a thing that just gets attached to you. Um, and that's not something that you want either. You know, you don't want veterans to be like, shit, I'm going to go here and I'm going to play. You know right. what I mean? So, and you, you, I mean, there's a degree which like, you need to be smart about who you do that with. Because Al, obviously, like, that was a beneficial thing for both parties. Everybody was happy with that. Trevor Ariza was clearly just fine with never setting foot in Oklahoma City. I think we were just fine with that, too. And so that's a reality where it's like, okay, so, you know, those moves, it works. If Kimba wants to play because he knows that it's through playing that he will get somewhere he wants to be, then shutting him down is a bad idea. Yeah, it's just about giving giving guys what they want. Some guys do want to just sit there and get paid $20 million. That sounds fucking awesome to me. And it sounded awesome to Al Horford. But as uh, Rashad Phillips would say, Kimba is a hooper. Like, Kimba probably wants to play. Kimba doesn't want to come just sit here, play 10 games, look decent, and then sit long enough to get traded. So this was probably the best-case scenario. It's fine. Kimba, it was, it was nice. Phillips. It was nice having you here, Kimba. I didn't even know Rashad Phillips until like that tweet. And the Hooper I guess thing. He's just yeah. He's, he's so just, bad. He is he's not very good. bad. He's uh, yeah. Um, very God. bad. He calls himself Yoda. Anybody that does that is I. I'm I don't even know what that's supposed to mean in a basketball sense, anyway. Mm-hmm. Like it, it just to me, he's just one of those guys that he just operates as though he as if he thinks he's smarter than everyone else, and he's. It's just I, – I'm not a fan. Not a fan of Rashad Phillips. Um, cool. Derek Favors. How do we Derek feel Favre, about right, Derek you Favors? This earlier. Thunder traded for Derek Favors. Uh, they effectively traded nothing for Derek Favors. A second-round pick and some of Clay Bennett's money for Derek yeah. Favors and a first. Yeah, hey. absolutely. Every time. It's fine. Yeah. Right. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm sure that the Thunder will find a way to make another deal like this eventually. You know, yeah. be next offseason – There'll be teams that need to get rid of a guy and the Thunder will be right there. You know, give us a first round pick and we'll do it. You know, Um, we also literally needed a person to stand under the basket and play center for this team. Yeah. And I think Derek Favors is a great guy to get for them. Right. Derek Favors is not very good anymore. 
Yeah. He's he's a competent NBA basketball player, but he's super slow. Yeah. He's, he's, he's not just like, valuable he's, offensively at all. Yeah. He's not going to require basically any touches on offense. Right. He's going to rebound the ball on defense. And yeah. he's going to be like a chill veteran for the right. guys. To yeah. Learn. Like he seems like a good vet. Yeah. So teach. I, I don't need, we don't even have any big prospects for him to teach, teach Poku him how to get to there. Yeah, teach Poku but, wide. Teach Isaiah Roby how to box out or something. I don't know. Like that's but he I mean he's just he's just gonna be a guy. And that's fine. That's really yeah. all that's underneath at the center position. Right. Uh, yeah. because I mean, fingers crossed, there's three incredible big prospects at the top of next year's draft. I say incredible. Yeah. Al- Alex wins when I said three incredible. I think Alex thinks yeah. there's two incredible. There's two good ones. There's two I like quite a bit. Um cool. So you know, and, and the thing with, with favors that's that's really important, you know, as opposed to like Al Horford this past year is that like Al Horford was valuable as, you know, he made the Thunder better. I don't think, I mean, favors might make them marginally better, but I don't think it's enough to like affect their win-loss record, essentially, you know? So in that way, I think he's perfect. So Right. He's going to be like, I mean, he's, he's going to fill in like right alongside Mike Piscala in terms of effect on the Thunder season. Yeah. It's like he's he's no Moses Brown, that's for sure. <laughs> Moses Brown, who is no longer on the Celtics, right? Right. Yeah, they, they traded, right? Yeah, they for whatever reason that that 16th the guy that they thought was going to be as good as the 16th pick didn't even make their their team. So, they uh I guess they thought that Brad Stevens is a really shitty drafter at 16. So who knows? Uh, cool. Overall free agency. It's been like, okay. And we kind of knew it was going to be this way, but like, was it this like one of the lamest free agent classes ever? Oh yeah. You know, like, like the Lonzo, prize was like, Lonzo's, yeah, yeah, sign and trade for Lonzo, sign and trade for Kyle Lowry. Like those were the big, the big ones. Like, yeah. Big. Lowry was like the most talked about guy in the league. This was really like this was the free agency of just signing guys to contracts you'll regret in four years. Like, right. That's sure. all that happened. Yeah. And the Luol Dang year. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Don't, don't do that. Chris Paul is just what a finesse king he is. Oh, I yeah. mean, to get four years, 120 million. It, it helps when you came up with the rules. I know. That's incredible. Yeah. He comes up with the rules that allows him to get this money. And he decided he didn't want to be president anymore. So he, it's, it's like he really did just become president so he could make more money, essentially, which is just fantastic. So, but well, um, and he'll always get the uh, like, there'll be every documentary about the corona about COVID will have a Chris oh, Paul yeah. segment. Like, oh, he has sure. cemented himself sure. in like world history. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's not, he's not going to win a ring, but he's going to be he's going to have that for his legacy. So, um, you know, I guess I really I want to get your guys's thoughts on my beloved Los Angeles Lakers, um, because I do think that they're just objectively probably the most interesting team in the league. Um, they added Russell Westbrook, who I have, whereas my opinions of Giddy and the Thunder draft have changed marginally since then. I have 
changed quite a bit on my opinions of, of Russ and the Lakers. So I'm just curious on how you guys are feeling about the, the way the Lakers roster came together. They're, I, um, I'm not serious when I say this, but they are absolutely drafting like they hired Duck Rivers. Like, don't say that. The Don't pattern. That. The pattern is absolutely guys who were really good in 2008. Like, okay, two. Yeah, I'm yeah, joking two, uh, because yeah, like yeah, a yeah. lot. No, because the a lot of the Lakers' best moves are guys who were like in middle school in 2008. So that is an exaggeration. But right. um, the Russ deal and the Carmelo deal, like it's easy to poke fun at that. Um, right. At the the Ariza deal as well. Um, but yeah, no. I think the Lakers are going to be fine. I think they're probably going to be really good. Like even before they made all the moves that that made people start rethinking the Russ move. Like I was like, yeah, the Lakers are probably my favorites in the West. Like because it's still yeah. LeBron James and Anthony Davis and everything else is fine. Like Russ's spacing is going to be a problem, but it's not going to be that much of a problem. Losing Alex yeah. Caruso, like okay, fine. It's I it's think, LeBron I think James Alex, and Anthony Davis. I think Alex was the one that says like. They didn't have spacing before. It's not like Russ is ruining your spacing. It was already bad. Now you have guys, at least, that know how to operate in bad spacing. Like, yeah. It'll be fine. It'll be whatever. Yeah, yeah I, I was a little concerned um, with – I mean, the mellow deal seems weird. Like, it, it's, it is really easy to make fun of. But I think if you evaluate what his role is going to be on the team, he's going to be like a backup for – that, you know, essentially he's going to be taking Markeith Morris's role, and I think he's better than Markeith Morris, so that's fine. Yeah, like um, it's going to be – it's the mellow thing is going to be fine. He's going to play the right. same role he played in Portland, but on a team that doesn't need him to play defense. Right, right, on a, on a team that's actually competent around him at all. Um, yeah. The, the Monk and the, the Nun moves were really interesting to me um, because – I was concerned that, the, oh, we're just going to sign a bunch of really fucking old guys. And, mm-hmm. you know, for and the most did. part, they did. But then they, they did get Monk, who is, I don't know how that guy went for the minimum. That doesn't really make sense to me. Like, that dude's a legit, he shot 40% from three this year, you know, and he's a ridiculous athlete. Like, he can score. Kendrick Nunn can score. Like, he's a good backup mm-hmm. point guard to have. Like, I'm pretty high on what the Lakers did. I still think the Nets are the favorites coming into next year. But I think I think the Lakers are are by far the favorites to come out of the West. Like I have very little doubt about that. Yeah, it seems like the the player empowerment area, like it it has trickled down to everybody. Like, yeah, there's still guys that just want to get their money, but I think there are more and more guys that just want to win. Um, they want to prove themselves, and that's kind of the Lakers are in a good position to get those guys. Like you said, Monk took the minimum. Kendrick Nunn took less than the Knicks and other teams were offering um, Austin Reeves, Mac McClung and Joel Ayayi, like all guys that could have gone the second round did the Lou Dorton force themselves undrafted because they wanted to choose where they could go. And they obviously all chose the Lakers because there was um, gaps in the Lakers roster that all those guys are confident enough. They thought they could fill. And shockingly, Austin Reeves uh, might get to fill one of those. Um so maybe we're we're not as smart as Rob Polinka, but he seems to be doing okay in summer league, and that might that might be uh, one of their floor spacers. So I'm not sure uh, I would want to count on that guy to space the floor for me. But hey, they uh, might have to be banking on that this year. You know who isn't empowered? Who's that? Dennis Schroeder. 
He still hasn't signed anywhere, has he? Still no. hasn't signed. And he was, saw, him, saw him on uh, Instagram today doing some kickflips on a skateboard. So Yeah. <laughs> he's going to be playing. He's going to be playing like Ulm or something. He's going yeah. back to Germany. Man. Could have made $85 million. <sighs> yeah. I'm, I'm glad he turned that down. Like, he's probably just going to sign for the minimum somewhere at this point. Like, maybe in Boston. I've, I've seen that as a rumor. Um, and that's like kind of interesting to me, but he like should Boston... go like legitimately. He should go to Spain. He should pull. Um, uh, who did that? Who Mirit? He should do the Miritich thing. Miritich, go be a star in Spain. Yeah, just go. Yeah, yeah. like go. I'm living. He would. He would wreck that league though. Yeah, like, you'll score twenty five points a game, and you'll be the featured guard on whatever team you're on, and you'll get to live in Spain instead of this hell place. Go go play for Real Madrid. Yeah. Okay. Go put or Gabe Gabriel Deck just joined FC Barcelona. I think go yeah. play with Gabe Deck in Barcelona. Yeah, cool. Um, any other interesting like the Bulls? I hate the Bulls. I hate them. Yeah, I don't. I don't understand. <laughs> I guess I I was really telling on myself by thinking like, why does everyone love this team so much? And you know, a lot of smart people are have, like Sam Bassini, um have been you know talking on podcasts and on Twitter about how people just haven't paid attention to the Bulls and Zach Levine is a legit star now and sure, whatever. But like Vooch is still Vooch. He's still a great regular season player, but I don't think Zach Levine being a star, like he's not the lead guy on a championship team and everyone's talking like the Bulls are second or third best team in the East. And like, I don't even know if they're a home playoff game or a home, home series in the East. They're not getting out of the first round no. in the playoffs. Like I think they traded for Vucevic this year and got worse. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. I think the thing with the East is that I think it's pretty flat. Um right. In the, Other than uh, once Brooklyn you get out Milwaukee. of Milwaukee. Yeah. Once you get out of the home playoff seats, like I feel like it's a pretty flat league. Um I um who is playing point guard? Uh, Zach Levine will play point guard for them. Um, Lonzo. And Lonzo, yeah, they'll both I mean they're both kind of so sure. their yeah. starting get... five projects as Lonzo, Levine, DeRozan, Pat Williams, and Nikola Vucevic. They, I mean, one of those guys plays defense, kind of. I mean, Lonzo yeah, and that's, Pat that's Williams. Who I mean. I, I Pat Williams is just so young. Yeah. Like, theoretically, he's a good defender. But, yeah, Vucevic, not good. DeRozan, maybe a little underrated, but he's still not great. No, and, and now he's, like, permanently – going to be yeah. playing like he's going to be stuck in at the three where he's right. going to have to play Which, guard guys bigger than him shouts to demar DeRozan for getting the bag like i think he got yeah. the same deal that kyle lowry got which mm-hmm. good for him you know and like if the bulls i just as a fan i would just hate it if if i were a bulls fan because i know you're, one i know one bulls fan he absolutely loves it yeah i know a bulls fan that likes it he's not all in but he i don't understand it. i don't understand yeah, and it just because the Bulls are just not they're not it's not like they're gonna parlay this into like getting free agents. They never get good free agents. You know, DeMar DeRosa might be one of their better free agent gets, you know? And yeah. I mean I think the idea like you look at this team and offensively you're like, okay, they can go five out and have Levine and DeRozan work with all the space they've ever ever dreamed yeah. of. But like, okay. A lot of teams can go five out. Yeah, you're right. You're right. A lot of teams can do that. And I just, 
I don't know. I, I just hate it. I hate the Bulls. Like, you know, if they – I wouldn't hate it as much if they didn't have Vucevic. Like, if they had just added a top 10 pick in this past draft, I could get behind what they what they did a little bit more. Um, but just the fact that they're seemingly just all in on a team that hasn't, hasn't made the playoffs, not even close. You know, they weren't even close to the play-in this year. So, like, it just – I don't know, man. And, and Billy Donovan's their coach. Billy Donovan's the guy that's going to whip this team into a playoff team. I'm, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm skeptical of, of how that's going to go for them. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see what they do. Um, any other teams that have been, like, particularly interesting to you? I mean, I think the Heat are – Yeah, we need to talk about the Heat. Um, yeah, they just – The deal they gave to Jimmy Butler was a mistake, but you do what you have to, I guess. I'm waiting for Jimmy's body to just break down. Like he's, he's held on longer than I thought he would. Um, but yeah, he's certainly not going to be good at the end of this contract. Kyle Lowry's old. Um, but you know, if you really think about it, like they're going to be running a lineup of Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, Duncan Robinson, whoever at the four, I don't even, I can't even remember, but then they'll have Bam too. Like that's, that's a home seed playoff team probably. Yeah. And mm-hmm. like, that's interesting. Uh, Duncan Robinson's overpaid, right? We agree on this. Yeah, I mean, five for yeah. ninety. Like, I don't think it's egregious, you know. I yeah. think it's it's probably like five million, or maybe not overall, but maybe three or four million a year over what he probably should get. But like, it's yeah, Miami. but that adds up to like twenty million over what he should get. Right, right. But again, you know, it's Miami. They'll f- if they want to find cap space in a couple years, you can trade him pretty easily. Yeah, you know, he's still a six foot eight one of the best shooters in the league, you know, so there, there's plenty of teams that'll, that would trade for that. And so I, I don't think it was a bad deal at all, but um, yeah. Any, anyone else that we're interested in any, or maybe from the draft that we are just interested in watching this year? Um, Like I spent a lot of time ragging on them, but Charlotte's going to be interesting this year. Yeah. Like I talked like the bottom of the East is pretty flat. They could make the playoffs. It's not impossible. Right. Yeah, it's going to be about how good, like if Lamella makes a big jump, that might be, he might be good enough to get him in, you know, and they have enough young talent around him that they could be a super fun team. And, you know, everybody talks about their, their play-by-play guy. I freaking hate him. I hate that guy. I, I hate play-by-play guys like that. Have you, have you guys heard him? I, I um, think I've heard people talk about them, but Twitter. I've actually I've forgotten what the deal is with him. Is he just like always extremely excited? Oh, he just yells like he's just Miles Bridges. Like every time he dunks, it's just it's obnoxious. I, I hate. I that think shit. they had like a game winner during the year that went viral on Twitter from him, and I was like, okay, yeah, whatever. I'm not it's like fan. okay. The Bucks have Gus Johnson, so like, what do you? Do they still have Gus Johnson? Is that still a thing? They had him at one point. I know that, but pretty um, recently, I remember him calling Bucks games. But I don't know exactly when that was. Yeah, I can't remember. I do. Okay, the last team that I really want to talk about is Portland. <laughs> what the fuck are they doing? What the fuck are they doing? They're, um, they're blowing it up. Care. I think. I don't think they care. Are they? Are they really blowing it up, Sam? Um, I don't know. I, I mean, there are no real substantiated rumors, but I don't know. I, I, I think I it's, it's less of a controlled teardown and more of a like, yeah, if it falls over, we don't really care. 
Yeah, just do like, something. Just make make your own decisions. Don't have your hand forced and you know you trade Dame for you know a second round pick in 2024. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like they're not interested in making moves to make the roster better. Um clearly. They're not clearly they're not. Re- they don't appear particularly interested in tearing it down and starting over. They're content being mediocre as long as Dame is there. And then when Dame leaves, we'll see what they decide to do. But I bet they'll be content being a bottom feeder after it. Like I think like that's an organization that's just not run by anybody who is interested in doing their job well. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, they've like, I guess in a, in a world, if you're like a, a very optimistic Portland fan, you could talk yourself into Cody Zeller being an Ennis Cantor upgrade, but it's, it's that's, the move. that's what they needed. Yeah. It's Cody <laughs> Zeller. They just weren't getting enough from Ennis Cantor. Not the guy <laughs> they thought they were signing. Yeah, that, that was the missing – Cody Zeller was the missing piece. Like, I, I I feel bad. Like, I mean, I don't really feel bad for Dame because he kind of has openly kind of made it his image to be the Portland guy, and it's just going to wind up blowing up in his face. But so that's that that team is – they're going nowhere, and it, it, it gives me joy that they are going nowhere because I do not like Portland. I never have. Um, and yeah, it's, it's nice to see them suffering, to be honest. Um, is there anything else we want to talk about? I think we kind of ran through it. What yeah, a boring, what a boring free agency, man. Jesus. Yeah, just miserable. Kawhi still hasn't resigned. He did. Oh, he did. Okay. He did resign. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not that there was any actual drama about that. Cause like literally oh. like he waited and in this space, he waited, like everybody else moved on without him. <laughs> it was like right. the opposite of what happened when he went to the Clippers. Right. Oh, I, I did realize we didn't talk about Shea re-signing. Oh, yeah. That's a pretty big deal. <laughs> so Shea got was, a lot of Clay Bennett's money. Yeah. That was cool. And I think the big deal about this is that he signed for five years with no options. And I do – I think that that's a pretty good indicator that he's completely down with what's going on yeah. in terms of how the Thunder are building because if he wasn't, I would assume he would want the earliest out that he could get while still – being guaranteed as much money as possible. So he would want that player option. And it's not like the Thunder in a situation where they can be like, no, we're not going to give you that player option. Um, so I assume the fact that he was willing to just do five years straight, that like he's happy with how things are going and yeah. he is committed to what they're doing um, at this point. So I thought that was that was cool. Yeah, He, he was always going to get that contract. He deserves it 100%. So... Yeah, good for good for the Thunder. Good for Shea. Um, I guess recent news: uh, Luca signed like the same deal. Um, I don't know what it. Yeah, what his it's worth are. more. It's worth. Oh well, yeah, it's more money because he's Luca. Because he's super, super all nice. pro. Yeah, because he's he's qualified for more. He signed like the same thing Trey signed, I guess. Right. So, um, I, like, there is a clause in Shea's contract where like his his money goes up if he does make. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure if that was if he makes it this year, it goes up or if it's just at any point during his contract, because that would be, because he's not going to make it this year. Yeah. But I think it might just be at any point in his contract that goes from being, I think it's 25% of the cap right now to 30. And that's a, that's very, that's a substantial race if he can get there within that, the life of that contract. So, all right. I think that's a good place to end. Yeah. Thanks. Um, Yeah. I don't, really think we have anything else to talk about god that was i mean we flew through that but what you were right that was like a really boring free agency um 
Thank you for listening to the Oklahoma Drill. Uh, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, um, the Google Podcast Store. Um, now on Spotify. Check us out on Spotify. Uh, the Podbean app um, and Amazon podcast. We're in a lot of different places. Check us out on YouTube if that's your thing. If you're one of those heathens who listens to podcasts on YouTube. Um, and uh, I think that about covers it. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at RWMaxi, at Perd underscore Happily, and at Not That Sam Davis. And we will see you guys later. <laughs>